What's going on, party people? Welcome to the Always Hope Podcast, a production of Willwood's Faith and Marriage. This is Dr. Mari Sakas, and I pray that you're having an amazing day today. Okay, so how do you know if you're growing in your faith or in the spiritual journey? How do you know if your prayers are doing anything? If you're like me, you know, I'm always kind of looking for markers in my faith and my spiritual life and always trying to understand what is it that I'm doing and how am I actually growing closer to the Lord? So joining me on the show today is Dr. Brant Petrie, Research Professor of Scripture at the Augustine Institute Graduate School of Theology, to talk about these things because this is the subject of his latest book called The Introduction to the Spiritual Life. In today's episode, we have a great discussion about the foundations of prayer, why the Ten Commandments are not just rules, but a path of love and growth, why our will is actually important as we conform to God's will. There's nothing passive in the spiritual life how to know if we are making progress, and why growth in virtue is a key sign. But we also talk about the hardships of faith, the uniqueness of the journey for every individual soul, what to do with unanswered prayers, and we end with having in-depth reflections on the biblical story of Jacob wrestling with the angel, as well as the parable of the persistent widow. If you find this show helpful, please leave a rating or write a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, share it on the socials, or simply, you know, hey, just tell somebody about it. Spread the word and the love that you are finding here on Always Hope. So let's get into this conversation with Dr. Brant Petrie. Dr. Brant Petrie, welcome to welcome back, I should say, yes. to the Always Hope Podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me back, Mario. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a sincere gift and and pleasure. I had you on very early on in the show. It's been I think a while. it was that first and it was one of the one of the first ten episodes. I can't remember exactly what number it was, wow. but we had a great conversation about memory <clears throat> and scripture and kind of what what is what does that mean? How do we understand memory from a scriptural standpoint, like and, and understanding that in God's memory, the whole bit. So and I hope plays into that. So that we was had a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. And so we invite the listeners to go back to to listen to that conversation. Um, but I'm looking forward to our conversation today because we're going to talk about the spiritual life. And uh, your new book, uh, Introduction to the Spiritual Life, Walking the Path of Prayer with Jesus, put out by Image Press, right? Yeah, Image yeah. Books. Image Books, thank yeah. you. So uh, great job on the book. I was happy, delighted to be one of the advanced readers and can kind of give you some feedback on it. So so a lot of this conversation we've already had. We've had a number of phone conversations already about this we when have. I was writing the book. So I really do appreciate your, your feedback. Before it was published. Oh yeah, no, it was the, absolutely you, crucial. You put all the work in. I'm, you know, it's, I'm just a critic, so that's, that's, that's nothing. Like I, I have the easy part. <laughs> yeah, so I guess the place where I would like for us to start is actually going even way back before even the book. So, many, many, many years ago, you put together a CD series oh, yeah. on the introduction to the spiritual life, the spiritual theology. I actually have it right here. Yeah, I see it. Wow, that's fantastic. Right there. There it is. Not that the listeners can see that because it's just an audio <laughs> podcast, but, but nevertheless, for dramatic effect, listeners know Imagine that I'm Imagine a big box full of CDs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right behind me that, that, I, that I pointed to. And, and for me, it was, it, it, I was at a time in my life, you know, I'm still at a time in my life where I'm wrestling with kind of the questions of kind of what does it mean to grow in one's faith? Mm-hmm. What does it mean to understand? And how, how does the Holy Spirit generally work in our life? And, yeah. and, and I was in a circumstance where I was coming out of a a group that was overly charismatic, and, and as I was walking away from that, realized, again, nothing against the charismatic group, no, I always have to get that caveat, but this particular group had some errors in that that really messed with kind of my spiritual kind of compass and sensibilities in terms of how do I know what God's voice is, and 
And so a friend of mine recommended that CD series as my first introduction to you. And I remember just being like, man, this was, this is great. Like this is, the, this is what the church teaches yeah. about yeah. the spiritual life. There are actually parameters. There are kind of guidelines. It's not all, you know, free for all. Like God actually has order even when it comes to the yeah. spiritual life. Yeah. And for me, it just brought so much healing truthfully and insight to, um, to my own life. And uh, so anyway, so so I say that now just really to ask you then, like, what is it that drew you to this study yeah. of the spiritual life that I know exists long before you even wrote this book? Yeah. Like, what is it that drew you to this notion of spiritual theology theology, and just understanding what scripture and the saints have said about the, the walk of the spiritual life? Yeah, that's a great question. I really appreciate you setting it there because that's really where the story of this book begins. It begins with, well, not really with me teaching that class. So the, the title of, of that CD set was Spiritual Theology. I think the subtitle was Christian Prayer and the Three Stages of Spiritual Life. Mm-hmm. And I taught that, it might have been 2008 or so. It's been a while. It's it was a long while. time ago. Oh, yeah, it was a while ago. And the, the whole reason I taught that class uh, was because I had uh, a priest friend of mine had donated his theological library to me, which I thought was going to consist of, you know, a few boxes of books, but it ended up being, I think, 51 or 52 boxes that he sent me in the mail. And a couple, I know, oh a, a thousand, <laughs> oh, a thousand books, books in the mail. And, uh, and, and I opened up, a couple of the boxes were full of classic works of spiritual theology, mm-hmm. whether it was Catherine Siena's di- Dialogues or uh, St. John of the Cross, a St. Mount Carmel. I mean, just go mm-hmm. down, down the line. Mm-hmm. St. John Climacus's Ladder of Divine Ascent or uh, John Cashin's Institutes, whatever. Just the whole hi- history of mystical theology. Mm-hmm. And as a biblical scholar, I just – I had never read any of that stuff. Wow. Right? I, I wasn't really familiar with it. I was familiar with moral theology or dogmatic theology or what, any of those things, but not with the mystical tradition of the church. And being the nerd that I am, I started to read some of these things, and I was just – blown away, Mm -hmm. precisely what you just said earlier, because up until that point, I had really thought of prayer and my devotional life primarily as just something that was almost entirely subjective that I would kind of make up as I went along. You know, there were traditional devotions like the rosary, but but I I didn't think of it as an ordered... a living organism that had order to it and, and that God had designed a certain common path that all disciples of Jesus would walk along, right? I tended to think of my spiritual life more as a, a revolving door. Uh, I use this image of the book of on one side, you got the state of grace. Mm-hmm. On the other side of the door, you got the state of mortal sin. And my goal in the spiritual life is to die on the state of grace side <laughs> of the revolving door, you know? Uh, so I, I really felt mostly like I was kind of going in circles. Right. Uh, and, and I didn't realize, no, that actually the metaphor that Jesus uses in the Gospels and that the saints will use over and over again is of a path, yeah. of a way. It has a starting point, and then it has a destination, right? And... Uh, and then we're supposed to make progress. We're supposed to grow in our spiritual life. So um, mm. once I started reading the spiritual classics, I was so um, astonished by what I'd read and so moved by it that I, I, I did what any uh, any PhD person would do. I, I decided to teach about it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like we're going to do a class on this, yeah, right? So I had right. an elective that year, and I and I decided I would do it on spiritual life. But of course, I dealt. I approached it from my own unique angle because I'm a biblical scholar. Right. And so what, one of the things that really hit me as I was reading through those works was, wow, although there are these different spiritualities, like Carmelite spirituality, Franciscan spirituality, right, Jesuit spirituality, yeah. whatever it might be, what they have in common 
is the biblical roots, mm-hmm. the scriptural foundations of what they're saying. And I felt like I had a contribution to make in that arena to ask, what are the scriptural foundations? What are the biblical roots of the mystical life, of the spiritual life, the common spiritual teaching and patrimony of the church? So I taught that class and, and uh, on spiritual theology, and I think a lot of the students uh, felt, and I felt for sure, that it was something special, like something special happened in that classroom. For me, it was probably the most uh, powerful uh, transformative experience I've ever had as a professor in the classroom because we all felt together as we were journeying through these classic works of spiritual theology and looking at where they came from in the scriptures that we had we kind of stumbled onto something really special mm. and really powerful mm-hmm. um, what Jesus calls you know the one thing necessary mm-hmm. is really to ask uh, where am I in my spiritual life where does God want to bring me right and and what gifts has he given to help me get to that point to help me grow and and be the be the saint that he calls every one of us to be. So yeah, so that's really where the book originated. It was it originated in the experience of teaching that class. And I knew from the, the when I finished up that semester that one day I would write a book on it. But I also knew that I needed time mm. to practice the prayers, practice the disciplines of spiritual life, to grow um, and also to find some time to write. <laughs> and that didn't come up until COVID hit in 2020. And I had a lot of time. So I, during the, the year of the lockdowns is when I wrote the introduction of the spiritual life. Wow. Um, and uh, took that year to, to really put everything together that I've been thinking about and teaching mm-hmm. for the you know last 13 or 14, 15 years. I mean, you had three whatever. books in between then also. I wrote four. a couple of books you, in between. You, you was, popular uh, ones and whatever <laughs> academic ones you've written. I mean, this yeah. isn't like you're just sitting on your hands no, for no, since 2008. Like, you know, I no, what that's the one thing is. I don't do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know, yeah, yeah. when I was covering the several seven deadly sins in this yeah, one, yeah, sloth's yeah. not my issue. Those are yeah, some yeah. other issues. Yeah, that's yeah, not yeah, mine. That's not one. Exactly. I like to stay busy. Yeah, amen, amen. All right, so so beautiful. Thank you for just sharing all that backstory because it helps to know that, again, when it comes to the study of Really, any theology, but particularly this spiritual yeah, theology, yeah. like this isn't a. This is what's always drawn me to the to, to the study of the spiritual theology, is that because as a as a therapist, it's like the applied spiritual. It's like yes. the, it's the applied angle of this. Like, how do we really understand what these teachings are to the person to at the individual level, yes. and how do we reconcile this and contend with this then? As a, as a therapist, you know, like psychologically speaking, emotionally speaking, in relationships. Yeah. But then even in the just the context of our day-to-day life, moving forward, our, I mean, it just... Our moment-to-moment decisions mo- that we make. That's right. I mean, it is it affects every single aspect of the way we live yeah. and move and breathe in the world. And yeah, you're absolutely right. There's no more relevant and practical area of, of theology than, than than spiritual theology. That's yeah. absolutely true. Although I would add one other little caveat too. I just want to say, um, you know, in this book, one of the things that I did, and we talked about this before, is it's really... It's really me too, as one from one disciple to another, just sharing right. what I've learned. Right. It's not really about um, my own personal experiences Correct. or anything like that. I'm asking, what does scripture and tradition teach right. about spiritual life? That's right. And this is what I've discovered, and it's just so exciting. I want to share it with you. Um, and our paths are going to look different. Yep. But the principles and the truths and the teachings of Christ and of the saints—they're all the same. Yeah. You know, it's it's yep. amazing. Uh, it's an amazing treasure that the church has given us. And you're right, it is. there's nothing more practical. And, and so right there's the tension of the study of this, where yeah. you talk about a path, and there's that means there's one way. Jesus yep. says he is the way. And so the when way. I talk about right. different spiritualities, whether it's the Jesuits, the Carmelites, um, 
the Franciscans yeah, yeah. or, you know, Benedictines, Benedictines. I mean, you just go on Salesians, Salesians, exactly. <laughs> or even going way back, you know, the Neptic Fathers, the Desert yep. Fathers. I mean, exactly. you can go, yeah. it, it, any one of them, at the end of the day, what they're all doing is they're all trying to understand, like, how is Jesus calling yes. us as his disciples and what is the journey that we're moving? So we may have a different angle or bent towards that. But I no, guess yeah. we're thinking about, like, the challenge between saying that there is one way. Yeah. But this one way is also highly individual. Yeah. No, this is something you really helped me when we were talking about the book and pre-production. You wanted me to emphasize that, and I really appreciate you adding that to it because it's true. Because every human soul mm-hmm. is literally completely unique. Unique and, and unrepeatable. Yeah, unrepeatable. Unique That's unrepeatable. exactly right. That's right. So that means um, that the relationship that you have with God that is, is, is unique is, and unrepeatable. But we're and, still a community of believers. But yeah, so <laughs> it's like, it, it, but it's, so it's going to look different. Yeah. And if you have any doubts about that, just look at the saints. Yeah, yeah. I mean, can you think of a more diverse body of people. You can. I mean, it, then, then, the, then the saints of the church. Mm-hmm. I mean, you go from the Teresa of Avila's to the, you know, St. John Vianney's. You got the parish priests. You got the consecrated religious. You got lay people like St. Teresa's parents, you know, um, Louis and, and Zelie Martin, all the way to desert hermits. And I right. mean, it's just, it just, the, the, the variety there is, is stunning. It's a stunning tapestry of human sanctity uh, and all the various threads that's woven to, that are woven together to make this portrait of the life of the church. At the same time, they're all walking the path of Jesus. Right? Mm-hmm. The, he's, that, that's really one main, main point of the book, too, is that at the end of the day, we have all these different saints and spiritual masters, and they're so helpful and such beautiful, wonderful guides and big brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers in Christ to us. But at the end of the day, Christ, Jesus himself, is the supreme master hmm. and model mm-hmm. of the spiritual life. Yes. He's the supreme teacher. And so in this book, what I really tried to do above all was focus on well, what does Jesus teach us about the spiritual life in the Gospels? Um, what does he emulate? What does he uh, model for us, I should say, um, in the way he lives? And then what does that call us to do as disciples who want to imitate him and be like him? And that was really Exciting, yeah. To see that at the end of the day, well, everything the saints are saying, they all they got it from Jesus. Of course, of course, they got it <laughs> that's from what Jesus. it is. Because at the end, because yeah. the source and summit, he's, that's he's exactly the source right. and summit. He's I mean, he's he's, he's the all. the goal, yep. and he's also the the, yep. the path. Yep. You know, that gets us to that. So, yeah. in the book, you outline really kind of four sections, yeah. I guess, or of that make the spiritual life. Yeah. Um, prayer, yeah. uh, the spiritual path. Mm-hmm. Vices and virtues, and then making progress. Those are the four kind of outline. Yeah, the four main parts of the book. Four right. main parts of the book. So, yeah. what, why are those kind of the four central qualities? You know, towards understanding the spiritual life. Yeah, um, this is a great question. So, um, well, prayer. First of all, part one of the book really looks at prayer, and I look at three major forms of it: vocal prayer, meditation, and contemplative prayer, uh, because. Prayer is the beating heart of the spiritual life. Mm-hmm. Apart from prayer, which is our relationship with God, right? Um, conversing with God, communicating with God, whether it's through words in vocal prayer or using our minds to ponder the reality and the mystery of God through meditation or through simple, intimate communion with God that goes beyond words and contemplative prayer. Um, prayer is, at the end of the day, about our relationship with God. So that's the foundation. That's the starting point. Amen. That's, that's right. where we have to begin that's right. that's uh, right. w- with any introduction to the spiritual life. It has to begin with, uh, in a sense, end with prayer. Yep. Right. Amen. Amen. Um, the second part on the spiritual path, however, was really, uh, that's more about focusing on the fact that, okay, yes, prayer is important, but what's also important is growth. Mm-hmm. So it's not just about the process of talking to God, having that relationship with God, practicing certain kinds of prayer. 
But looking at ourselves and asking, where am I on the journey? Where's the starting point? And then where's the ultimate destination? So in that, pa- in that section of the book, what I'm trying to do is talk about, okay, what's the first step? Right? If you want to um, you want to begin the path. Uh, I don't assume anything in the book, by the way. You right. don't have to be, uh, you could, this book, you could be a very advanced disciple of Christ, uh, cloister religious, and get a lot out of it. And you could also be just a person who mm-hmm. is very, at the very beginnings of your journey. Um, and it's still for you. So I tried to write it with as many people as possible in mind. But in that chapter, I really, in that section of the book, I wanted to focus on, in particular, a couple things. First, the necessity of repentance as the first step on the journey, mm-hmm. right? That uh, before we can climb the heights of Mount Carmel and begin to have contemplative prayer or I mean, meditation or any kind of, uh, you know, um, progress in the life of prayer, we have to make a decision that in our life we're going to repent, which in in, in, in um, Hebrew, it comes from the word shuv. It means to turn, literally. Mm-hmm. And that it has two dimensions to it. It means turning away from sin, especially mortal sin, the kind of sin that snuffs out the life of the spirit in our souls, right? That fundamentally turns us away from God. So to turn away from sin and then to turn toward God, right? right? So it's that both movements there, turning away from sin, turning toward God in order to begin walking down the path of Jesus. And so I felt that in one of the things we I needed to say, just given our own context nowadays and, and my own experience growing up, was that the very first words out of Jesus's mouth when he begins to preach about the kingdom of God, that's really important, is the word repent. He doesn't go around by beginning to say, hey, everybody, I'm divine. He doesn't begin by saying, I want you to believe in the kingdom or start with the parables. The first thing he does is he said, repent and believe in the gospel. Mm. And I think that's that's really crucial to recognize that Jesus begins his public ministry and his, his, his mission of teaching the disciples on the heels of John the Baptist ministry of a baptism of repentance, Uh, because we can't make any progress down the spiritual path of Jesus until we take that first step and say, I want to give my life to God. I want to turn away from anything that's going to take me away from God, and I want to turn toward him and begin listening to him learning from him and imitating him. And, and that's the perennial temptation, even when we're down the path. Absolutely. Yeah, you know no, that, I mean? that like, never I mean, goes it, away. It never yeah. goes away. That's and that always, right. always awareness, even when we're doing kind of holy things, church, I have quotation marks. Sure. Again, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, listeners. Put the scare quotes. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you can't see him. We're not doing a video podcast today. <laughs> sorry about that, guys. But, you know, like the quotations on like, I mean, when we sometimes when we're doing these things, we yeah. can easily get it gets tricky sometimes when we go down the path. And so we always have to be aware of our own temptations. I know you get into that in the, in the next section, yeah, but, yeah. but awareness that like no. the process of repentance, it's not to be scrupulous or say we're beating our, it's just, it's just that we're continually aware of our tendencies, of our limitations, right. of our need for God to genuinely save us every single day. Every single day. That's right. And just like, like when that. you're on a journey, yep. you can stop and turn around and go back. Yep. Same thing's true in the spiritual life. You can stop going forward and turn around and 
start heading back, right? We're, we're actually, the way I'm thinking about it, so Chris and I, we, we like hiking and we go to mountains and we like doing this a little bit, so. And that so, were very different. Yeah, that were very different, I understand. Give me those flat swamps, man. <laughs> yeah, no, man, give me the mountains, we're, we're, we wanna go on well, the path. Well, you're more biblical. Swamps are always evil in the Bible, mountains are always holy, so there's a little window into both our souls. Oh, that sounds great. <laughs> you heard it first, breaking news on the Holy Soul Podcast. It's always there's devil's a... swamp and God's mountain, so. <laughs> well, I do like God's mountains. Yeah, so, I know you do. Uh, we, we, years ago, we were in, we, we lived in North Carolina. We saw a T-shirt that made us laugh. You know, the Appalachian Trail is the the, sure. the trail that connects Georgia all the way to Maine. It usually takes people six months about it. And so, walked into like this outfitter shop, and and the shirt said, "I I hiked the entire Appalachian Trail," but in between, you saw a little uh, parentheses that said "width." <laughs> I hiked the entire width of the Appalachian Trail. <laughs> 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 which is about which what? is like three feet, three feet, <laughs> three feet. Good, yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, so I'm bringing big difference. Yeah. Big difference. I'm, I'm I'm bringing this up to be funny because in the context of what we're speaking about, that it's not just about going forward or back. When you're on the spiritual path, if we use this image and yeah, hold right. on to this, it's it's narrow. It's yeah, very narrow, and right. and it's easy to to get off astray. of it, so straight, right? Yeah, and to get off of it. And then, and then to have to work your way back to back it. Back to it, yeah. Um, but it's very easy to, to to stray from it and to get off of it. So back to this notion of repentance. You're beautiful in that, like this is the way Jesus begins. Yeah, absolutely. That's not just to get you on the trail. On the trail, it's a, it's yeah. to keep you on the path. Yeah, to keep also. you on the trail. Yeah. No, this is interesting because in Greek, the word repent. Uh, um, Metanoia oh, it literally means to change your mind. Mm. So it has a different emphasis than the Hebrew term. Yeah, that's interesting. Okay? Uh, a little more intellectual. Uh, so you to change your mind means to change your thinking. Your, yeah. The way you think yeah. about yeah. who God is, the way you think about who you are, the way you think about the world. That's what repentance means. So we often in English, like we think of repentance as, I need to feel bad about the bad things I've done, right? That's right. That's, that's the kind right. of common thank English you. definition. Thank you for clarifying. Yeah. It needs to be clarified because I don't want anybody scrupulous walking away thinking yeah. that's what we're speaking about. No, no. no. Keep going. Keep Jesus, going. Jesus, when he gets out, first words out of his mouth, change your mind and believe in the gospel. Mm-hmm. You could translate it literally like that, right? So, um, and that's a continual process. Yeah, that's and it's always because we're always exactly processing right. new information. We're that, always bingo. encountering new circumstances that are that are forcing us to rethink, and discovering to new mysteries about who God is, and realizing, whoa, He's way bigger and more and more mysterious and um, more surprising than I ever ever imagined. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, yeah, absolutely. So that that call to repentance is a call to change your mind and start thinking like God thinks, try to make his ways our ways, mm-hmm. right? Rather than have him conform to our, our mm-hmm. thinking. Um, and the great example of that is, of course, uh, one of the chapters in that section is on the Ten Commandments, which again, we tend to think of them as like rules right. that we shouldn't break. And that's true. They are <laughs> rules and you should not break them. Thanks for okay. making that abundantly clear. <laughs> I, pre- making, I appreciate that. I make it clear, you know, yeah, it is not a good thing to murder. Uh, it's not a no, good thing to commit adultery. You shouldn't do it. You shouldn't also shouldn't worship things. cows. Not yeah. a good thing. Yeah. Idolatry is bad. But it's interesting that in the Hebrew Bible itself, in the Old Testament, God gives the commandments. What he says is, um, I've given you the way that leads to life. So there's a way that leads to life and there's a way that leads to death. It's an image of two paths. Mm-hmm. And the commandments are the way that leads to life. Mm-hmm. So the commandments aren't just a set of rules. They really are a spiritual path that teaches us how to love God. That's what the first three commandments are about, right? Avoiding blasphemy, avoiding idolatry, 
keeping his day holy, the Sabbath, setting aside time for him. And then the second tablet, which is how to love our neighbor, right? Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Honor your father and mother, right? Don't bear false witness. So it's the, the Ten Commandments are a path, literally, they're the path of love, right? Mm-hmm. And so as Jesus begins to teach the crowds, to teach the people about the spiritual life that he's come to show them how to live, you know, people will say things to him, like one of the, one of the scribes will say, well, how do I... How do I inherit eternal life? And Jesus is really clear. Keep the commandments. That's right. Right? Not because he's being scrupulous or legalistic, but because that's the path that leads to life. And that's the path that leads to happiness. So that whole second section of the book is really about helping people rethink, sorry, you know, change their minds, Mm -hmm. even just about the way they see what spirituality is uh, and the way they see themselves in relation to God, to recognize that there is a path that leads to life. There is there's a journey that we're being called to. Um, Christianity is not a set, a set of intellectual propositions to which I give assent. Right? Uh, it is that, but we don't want to reduce it to that. Correct. So let me correct. I'll say it again. No, Christianity is not you. just a set of truths or propositions <clears throat> to which I give assent. It's easy for us to think of it that way. Yeah, I mean, you don't marry your wife because of some intellectual propositions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you don't pursue. I mean, some people. That's well, not, some people exactly, might, but some uh, <laughs> people might exactly. But no, but keep going. Yes. No, no, right. But it's it's so it's not just a set of truths, right? It is a path, and that presupposes more than just assent or faith, it proposes, it presupposes fidelity, faithfulness to walking along the path that Jesus is teaching us in the Gospels. In, it, in that walking, movement. there's movement. That's the word movement. I was just going to say. It's dynamic. It's dynamic. And there's action. And so it's not, yeah. it's not that we're just, um, and this is, again, our will conforming yeah, sure. with that. I've said this often. Yeah. We're not yeah. just like, you know, marionettes on a, on a, on a, on a puppet string to kind yeah, of yeah. be strung along or, or just something, some widget on a conveyor belt moving yeah. along. But, but more than that, because when we think about then the spiritual life as a path and what it's leading towards, yeah. um, I was going to say this at the end, but I, but I, I want to say this now, is it, like the, the summation, this even goes right into questions about how we conceive of heaven and as a destination. Yeah, yeah, and I, again, yeah. put destination as quotation marks again, mm-hmm. because if this dynamism of of pursuit of God and God's pursuit of us and us staying together on this narrow path, but movement forward, that movement forward, just like a river when it dumps, dumps out into an ocean, there's still currents and there's still energy and there's still movement. It's not like we just get to heaven and all of a sudden yeah. we're just going to be sitting around eating bonbons and drinking the best version of like wine or or, or eating the tr- the best fruits. No, they're like this adventure, this experience that we have, we just to, we just get to experience it to its fullest. That's right. And C.S. Lewis does a wonderful job of this here. I, you know, I, I got my Narnia series here at the very oh, end, the, good, the yeah. last battle. Oh, you know, so good. It's yeah. so beautiful. And the second to last chapter yeah. is, is titled Further Up and Further In. Yeah, don't, oh man, that, yeah. But, I remember my, my wife and I were reading that chapter to our kids and we started to weep as we, Yes. it's so beautiful. It's so profound. Well, I'm sorry, go ahead and do no, it. No, you're fine. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm, you're, that's yeah, exactly that, my point. Is that like, it's not like we're, this is when we get, when we get too legalistic or when we look at it as checklists, mm-hmm. we, we often think in our utilitarian age, if I check the box on the list, it's done. That's Dumb it. 10 boxes I've, checked. I've done it. We're good. <laughs> I've completed that. I can move on to the next task. But if we think of this as we're saying in terms of like a path that leads to something, whatever it's leading towards, that path continues. Exactly. Further up and further in. Bingo. I mean, this journey isn't something like we're starting it now and it's not like we just get to heaven. We're like, oh, we all made it. Yay. High five. Slap, slap, slap. 
And you, like, yeah, no, like, no, no, no. Like yeah. we're going further up and further in for all of time and eternity, all eternity. because that's who God is. Yeah. And so the, the, this is the way Lewis ends the, the, the Narnia series. And he says this, he says, and for us, this is the end of all the stories. Mm. And we can mostly, we can most truly say that they all lived happily ever after. Mm. But for them, again, the, the kids of, the, of, the, of these stories and everybody in Narnia, for them, it was only the beginning of the real story. All their life in this world and all their adventures in Narnia had only been the cover and the title page. Now at last, they were beginning chapter one of the great story, which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever, in which every chapter is better than the one before. What? <laughs> That must be why we left. I remember. I remember that chapter. I remember reading it to the kids around the dinner table, and my wife and I were looking at each other, weeping. And the kids, they were still too young. They didn't. They didn't understand why. But, but it was just the beauty and the splendor of, of the image that he was given there. Yeah, that's awesome. That's wow. That's beautiful. Well, you know, as you were talking, <laughs> as you were saying, it made me think too um, about Mark ten and the encounter between Jesus and the rich young man, because he's got the check box mentality. Yes. Right? So he says, you know, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Which is what Lewis is describing there, eternal life. Yes. Right. And not just heaven, but eternal life. And Jesus says, keep the commandments. There's, that's the starting point. Mm-hmm. To, you don't get to skip that, right? But that's essential, but it's not the end. It's not, it's not what it's heading toward. It's the baseline. And he says, I've done it. I got hey, all 10 boxes checked. Done, dude. And so it. what does he say? If you wish to be teleos in Greek perfect it can also be translated complete go sell what you have then come and follow me see the dynamism mm-hmm. see the action mm-hmm. come follow me mm. so it, it's you, it's necessary to keep the commandments but to come to where God wants you to be to be, be complete to be what he made you to be you, you there's an 11th commandment so to speak mm. it's to follow Jesus, to be a disciple, to go and follow him, right, on the path hmm. that he's that he's given, not just the rich young man, but to all of us. Of course, we all know that that one didn't end so well. Didn't end so well. The man, he went away sad. He went away sad. Because yep. he had many, many possessions. possessions. Right. So he loved the things of this world more than the things of eternal life. Oh, mercy. And he loved the things of this world more than he loved Jesus. Oh, gosh. Yeah. So, yeah, this is a, it's a salutary warning to us. It, and it's hard because so often we – so when we get to – okay, so let's bring this back to the book. Right? So sorry, like, sorry. No, sorry. no, man. No, I'm, no, the one, I'm the one bringing this all over the place. So so we think of then progress in no. stages. Yeah, okay. Well, I'm, no, I didn't let fine. you You're finish good. the four sections. Oh, it's all right. It's all right. No, no, it's all, it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> the book's great, guys. Read the book, all right? <laughs> Read the book. But, you know, the, the section on vices and virtues is a wonderful job. I'll just give the highlights here of it. You know, it goes through the seven capital vices and, and the seven corresponding virtues to that, um, which if you're struggling with any one of those particular vices, it gives, again, great introductions to, to what you right. should be looking at. And again, that's the moral question of this. There are, there's, of course, a moral aspect to the spiritual life. Absolutely. Yeah. And this is really, I mean, this is because... Because we're not walking down a literal path, right, an earthly path to an earthly destination. There's a spiritual path here. Right. And so the, the, the spiritual impediments to progress are going to be sins. 
above all those seven capital sins of pride, anger, envy, lust, gluttony, sloth, avarice, right? I always forget one. I always forget, oh gosh, what's the one I forgot? I know. That's I was just doing this I'm yesterday. Actually, I totally <laughs> forgot the one. Sorry. But, uh, <laughs> but, but you know, those seven capital sins, those are, our, those are the obstacles. Those are the stumbling stones in the road, right? Right. They're going to trip us up as we try to make progress. And so then the virtues are going to be the the remedies to help us, right, fight against those capital sins and to grow and make progress interiorly in the spiritual life. So that's really what the that third part of the book is about, vices and virtues. Uh, because, again, I, at least in my experience, I, like I grew up as a Catholic, and it, when I was taught to maybe examine my conscience, it was always according to the Ten Commandments, mm-hmm. right? And so, you know, I'd sit down, okay, okay, have I... Have I murdered anyone? No. Good. Okay, good. I'm doing good. Committed idolatry lately. No, no idolatry. You know, no cow worship mm-hmm. in my life. Um, stolen. Although the iPhone's pretty, well, pretty, pretty <laughs> right. nice. Well, you know what I'm yeah, yeah, Just joking. Okay, okay. okay. Um, actually, I hate that phone. But anyway, yeah. Uh, then, of course, you know, like things like blasphemy or theft. It, so as you're examining your conscience in that way, you can come out looking pretty good, yeah. pretty holy. Right. But... Then I saw I, I learned about examination of conscience, examinations of conscience with the seven capital sins. Have I been prideful? Have I fallen into anger? No comment. What about avarice? Right, exactly. No comment. Right, yeah. No comment. Gluttony. Uh oh. Sloth. Have I not fulfilled the duties or not fulfilled them well that I have in my state in life? So once you start looking at the capital sins, you can realize, oh wait, I got I got a lot more work to do. There's a lot. I need a lot more grace than I may have thought if I just was looking at the Ten Commandments. So that part of the book is really again helping us to move further up and further in mm-hmm. to get to 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 recognize that it's not enough to stay at the starting point. Right? We mm-hmm. want to we want to move forward, and 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 in order to do that, we need to grow in an awareness of sin, and awareness of virtue, and an awareness of where we where we are in our own life. Uh, and for, especially which of those capital sins are uh, might be our predominant fault, yep. like, might be the one that we that we really need to work on the most. Yep. Hey everybody, this is Dr. Mario, and I'm taking a quick break from my conversation with Dr. Petrie just to say, hey, listen, if you're single and you just got out of a relationship, or if you're single and thinking about getting into a relationship, or if you're a couple and trying to discern the health and quality of your relationship, then I want you to check out Dating Well. A lot of the things that we've been talking about with regards to spiritual life are baked into this program. Certainly everything that I do is to try to find points of integration between the riches of our Catholic tradition together with what counseling in the psychological research has to say, and particularly when it comes to dating and relationship advice and relationship research and relationship discernment, you're going to find all of that in Dating Well. Please check it out. It's a wonderful program. Tell your friends about it. The feedback that I'm getting from it so far has been stellar, has been excellent. So I'm very, very grateful to be able to offer this as a resource to you. If you have questions about dating, if you want to know more about what it means to look at dating as a process of discernment, how you can view dating actually as part of your growth in holiness, then you want to check out Dating Well. You can check it out by going to faithinmarriage.org.
And so then here's where things get really tricky. Yeah. Because it's not, sometimes it's not as clean cut as like, I just get rid of the capital ones and then I move on and then we just keep going. Sure, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like there, and, and I think, you know, back to the checklist mentality, if we yeah, kind of right. hold the, these comparisons one, one sure. against the other, which yeah. is far, you know, maybe too clean cut. But anyways, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Like it's just if we, because that becomes a stumbling block then, we feel that, well, I keep going to confession. There's this mm, one thing repeatedly yeah, over and over yeah, and over again yeah. that keeps coming back, keeps coming back, keeps coming back, but I'm making progress in all these other areas. So why is it that this one continues to manifest? So that's a challenge for people because again, in the mystery of God's providence, we don't know. Sometimes God allows, and Teresa of Avila says this, sometimes God allows us to struggle with lesser sins to prevent us from struggling with, with more grave ones because even those seven vices have a have a kind of a hierarchy of them. That's right. Yeah. You know, in terms of like level of offense to them. That's right. Sometimes people call them the seven deadly sins, and that can be a little misleading because they can be mortal yep. in their gravity and in their concept, but they can also be at a more venial level. Correct. So, yeah, I Correct. prefer the more precise language of the capital sins. Capital sins, mean, Which yeah. capital means they're... Um, not that they're related to the government or anything like that. Uh, <laughs> although I suspect that they might be present in politics. Oh, anyway, never mind. I shouldn't go Don't say that, anything. No, no, My oh, show's oh, going to oh, get canceled. Oh, no. Okay. Uh, <laughs> they won't bear. But no, capital uh, coming from the from the Latin word meaning head. In other right. words, they're often the head or the root cause, you could change the metaphor, of other sins. They, they, they're the starting point that lead to other sins. So they're really crucial to, to fix our attention on yeah. as the kind of principal yeah. um, principal sense that we can fall into. Yeah, and so when it goes into the examination of one's conscience and awareness of where your where your proclivities are, you know, concupiscence. Right. I like to think of concupiscence as like a car out of alignment. You know, it always <laughs> always wants to. I mean, pull. like every car I've ever owned. <laughs> well, it's because we live in southern Louisiana. <laughs> yeah, right. They come out of the factory, you know, <laughs> you know, out of alignment. Like this is you're driving all these bumpy uh, roads. Potholes everywhere. Everywhere, everywhere yeah, exactly. Yeah, sure, like exactly, yeah. Firestone's making a killing, and I don't even know why. <laughs> but like that's the but. Anyway, the, the sense that like we all kind of pull one way, you yeah, know, sure. and, and part of our unique and unrepeatableness is recognizing, well, what's the way that I'm kind of pulling? Mm. And so doing that awareness of, of self to recognize then that like, well, if, if I'm aware that this is kind of the way that I'm pulling and then, you know, I need obviously the virtue that you speak about in the book that corresponds to that, I need to develop that. But they're also recognizing that this is particularly the way that I need grace. Yes. This is the, the it, like grace, not in its abstract form, but in its very particular manifestation. Like I need it here. I yes. need it here. Yeah. That's a really, I'm glad you brought up grace because um, there's not a chapter on grace because every chapter is on grace. Okay. <laughs> right. Amen. Like there's, there, because there's no Pelagianism here. No Pelagianism. Every, no. in every chapter, actually, in the, especially in the vice and virtue section. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 Pelagianism. Yeah. Yeah. This is not something, your effort is, is crucial. Right. But it's not something you do through your own effort. That's right. It absolutely is is through God's grace. And so one of the things uh, in the in that section, that part of the book on the capital sins, whenever I end each chapter looking at the opposing virtue, like say pride, the opposing virtue would be humility, or avarice, the opposing virtue would be generosity. I I I'm, was very intentional about recommending to people pray to God and ask for that virtue. <laughs> Right? Ask Amen. God to give you the grace to grow in that opposing virtue because it's not something that you're just going to do through your own efforts. In fact, as you mentioned from St. Teresa and St. Francis talked about the same thing as well, St. Francis de Sales, God will often, in a sense, allow a soul to continue to struggle with a particular inclination to a sin for a long time 
in order to humble you, um, but also in order to strengthen you against further temptations. So it's a that's a mystery of God's grace. Um, and if if he delivers you, uh, or he or if you grow and begin to manifest that virtue, which by the way, virtus means strength, mm. right? It's the mm-hmm. strength to fight against the temptation. The habit of virtue is the is this the deliberate and repeated choosing to oppose a temptation or or a sin. Um, if he if he gives you that grace, uh, if you do make that progress, it's because he gave you the grace, right? So um, it, it's a beautiful witness to the necessity of grace at every moment in the spiritual life, right? Uh, St. Augustine beautifully put it in one of his writings that, you know, when we get to heaven, uh, the rewards that we receive that Jesus always talks about, you know, your Heavenly Father will reward you. Those are God crowning his own merits in us, right? Mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. it's in a sense, he, you know, any, any good things that we do are always the result of his grace first and foremost. So Amen. all the glory and the honor always goes to him. Amen. At the same time, Paul, St. Paul says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So he calls us to labor as well because um, he, he's not interested in robots. No. He wants our participation in the mystery of our own sanctification. So yeah. that's a beautiful mystery there. It, it is. And, and it's ultimately the mystery of the Trinity, that there, there are three <laughs> exactly. persons, one God. Yeah. And so there's this – and that's what we're – that's, the that's, further, where we're that's where we're heading towards. That's the tell us. That's, that's the, the tell end. us. That's, that's the, the end. And yeah. so our individual personhood mm-hmm. doesn't get obliterated no. in any of this. It you gets know, perfected. It gets perfected yeah. as everybody else is, yeah. as we all come together in some super perfect harmony of yeah. all of reality with creation and everything. Which is hard for us to see on this side of the, uh, it is hard of the to veil. See. Yeah. It absolutely is. But it always, I go, I go back to this over and over again because I think that like, Sometimes I think when we think of the spiritual life, we 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 often communicate it in like a passive way. Yes, that's Whereas a danger. Whereas grace is like passive, and and we're we're speaking about walking. You know, when Jesus says, "Knock and the door will be open to us. Seek and you shall find." You know, ask in the question. Those are all imperatives. Those are all imperatives. They're yeah. they're action words. There is an yeah. element to this that like you have to you have to do. Yeah. And so it's that doing part that often scares us more sure. because if it's passive and it's just like well lord just give me the green light mm-hmm. if i know i just need to check that box or i just need to do that thing then my my mind my intelligence my person and my creativity doesn't really isn't really needed in this because i could just be a, a an algorithm that just follows the the follows the directives that are set before it mm-hmm. but that's not what god wants and so like this is precisely why challenges and struggles and sins and different things kind of god uses these things because our creativity to invest or to to solve or to perfect or or to do or whatever is all part of this spiritual journey. Absolutely. No, it's all th- part of it. This is why um, the great, you know, one of the great mystics and great saints in the spiritual tradition in the West is St. Ignatius of Loyola, and his classic work is called The Spiritual Exercises, right? Yes, that's right. And, and there's a reason he calls them that, because um, exercise demands labor, but it, it, it demands that there be some resistance. Yes. Otherwise, you're not going to ever build up any muscle. That's right. Right. In the natural sphere, you don't build up any muscle unless there's resistance. That's right. Okay. The same thing is true in the supernatural realm. That resistance actually helps build up, so to speak, the spiritual muscles of the soul so that the soul can do great things and the soul um, can bear much fruit. You can switch the metaphor to one of a gardener, and you'll see this is Jesus. Jesus uses this over and over again in the Gospels. 
the image of a tree. Um, he compares the human soul uh, to a tree. And there's actually a beautiful section. I'm, I'll just quote it. I feel, I'm feeling a little like immoral here because I haven't quoted the Bible at length yet, and we're already a few, <laughs> so you know 20 minutes in here. But so in Luke chapter six, Jesus says this. Uh, just think about this for a minute. 40 minutes actually. No. <laughs> oh man. May a maxima culpa. All right. Uh, like Luke six. No tree bears good fruit. I'm sorry. No tree, good tree bears bad fruit. Nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit, for each tree is known by its fruit. And he says, the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Amen. Wow. So notice what Jesus is doing there. He's comparing the human soul to a tree, right? And its roots, so to speak, are in the heart. And we can bear fruit through our words that is either good or evil, right? Now, if you've ever planted a tree or cultivated a tree, you'll know that if you just let it, especially a fruit tree, if you just let it be on its own, it's going gonna, it's gonna to grow wild. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll have branches and uh, that that it doesn't need, they'll sometimes crisscross and they'll cut one another off. Right? I just need to let you know. I only know this in concept. I, 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 <laughs> okay, so this whatever is, the opposite uh, of a gardener okay, is, I'm, yeah, okay, I, I've well, killed a cactus, well, right? I, so which is I've done a little gardening yeah, with trees, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I've killed. But a few I appreciate in my the life. metaphor. I understand but, it. But the I metaphor is it. well. What, 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 let me point this out. So let me let me put it this way. When I started gardening, I thought all you do is you put the tree in the ground, That's and it. then here comes the fruit. So I had a couple of satsuma trees in yeah, my yeah. front yard. Um, that is not how it works. Mm-hmm. A tree has to be pruned, right? So when, when branches grow that are unnecessary or unhealthy, if you want that tree to bear fruit, they have to get cut off. Mm-hmm. So in other words, there's pain, so to speak, quote, and here's some more scare quotes involved, like there, there, there are negative aspects of growth that actually benefit the tree. And if you don't prune it, right, it won't bear the fruit that it needs. The same thing's true in the spiritual life, right? There are aspects of, we're gonna be growing, uh, and there are aspects of our lives and our actions that we might think are good at first, but actually need to be cut off, right, in order for us to produce much fruit. And so um, this is a really crucial part of uh, of spiritual growth and spiritual the spiritual tradition they'll call they'll often refer to it as more the ascetical dimension mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. ascetical uh, it's actually from a greek word meaning to 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 um the the ascesis it's hard to put into english um but it, it could be translated it as exercise, exercise. yeah close exercise? It's, it's very yeah. similar to to exercise mm-hmm. right um because it the ascetical dimension of the spiritual life focuses more on our effort. Like, what mm-hmm. exercises do I need to engage in in order to make fruit, to, to bear fruit, or to make progress? Right, um, and that part is so de- is so important because you mentioned earlier um, Pelagianism. Mm-hmm. That's an overemphasis on our efforts. But there was another heresy in the 17th in 18th centuries called quietism. A lot of people haven't heard about this, uh, but it was in Europe, the quietism. That's funny, because it's called quietism? Because they're quiet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. They, they, they Come they, on, is that ironic? <laughs> Nobody really heard about Nobody it. Heard. Nobody heard about they it. Weren't they weren't very vocal about their heresy. They weren't very vocal about the heresy because it's called quietism. <laughs> That's really good. Yeah, sorry, so, sorry about that. I kind of walked right into that one. Um, yeah, but the quietists overemphasized the passive dimension, right. what you were talking about earlier, mm-hmm. right? And then I don't really need to do anything right. 
to be holy. Right? God's going to do it all. So I'm sorry. No one's heard about the quietest. <laughs> no one's heard about the quietest. The loudest. <laughs> there, there, there. That, that's yeah. Loudism tends. To, everybody knows about that. Anyway. <laughs> So, yeah, so did you see the balance? I mean, obviously, it's yes. ca- classic Catholic both That's and, right? Where we've got to strike a balance between our efforts and uh, our human efforts and, and, and divine grace. So in any case, um, yeah, so that that's really what that part of the book is about, is about making progress through growth in virtue. Yeah. Real simple. And um, it's an important antidote to an overly circular view of spirituality or an overly subjective view, right? Um, it, I, I got a question for you. Okay, sure. Hit so, me. so th- I mean, don't this hit has me, but simply book, ask right? me the question. Yeah, yeah, I'm not going to hit you. The, but <laughs> the, so when we think about this resistance, okay, and if the path is moving and we're getting to heaven further, further, sure, further sure. in, yeah, yeah. What does that resistance look like on the other side? Oh, okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a that's a great. Mm. Because I've thought about that even as I read Lewis and thinking about right, adventure, yeah, yeah. but part of adventure is that there's the thrill that you might not yeah, succeed. Yeah. And part of it is that yeah. it is this resistance and there's parameters are there. Because if it's just that there is nothing, then we're just like astronauts and you lose muscle because you're just floating around. That's not what heaven is either. I suspect you're so, right. I so suspect that's not so, it. So speculate with me a little yeah, yeah. bit. Brandon. So, okay, well, <laughs> Dr. So when we talk about heaven, the p- first thing you want to remember is I've never been there. Yeah, good for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. So, uh, me neither. I that's why I'm asking. From a distance. Yes, that's right. At, sure, maybe sure. some of us a little yeah. further yeah, distance yeah, yeah. No, than, yeah. than, than yeah. the rest. Um, so, I think it's a good question. Um, and I think at the end, so the first answer is that that aspect of what you're asking is really a mystery that's hard for us to even begin to kind of put into words or to comprehend because we don't have any experience of that. Right? It transcends our experience. That's right. I would suggest, however, that you could answer it at least in part. One way to think about it is for the saints in heaven now, before the final judgment, the drama of human salvation and of the history of salvation has not ended for them either mm. because they are our elder brothers and sisters mm. and they're waiting for us to finish the race, right? Um, there's a great image of this in Revelation chapter 6 where you see the souls be beneath the altar uh, cry out to God, how long, O Lord, how long, mm. right? And the angel tells them, he gives them white garment and he says, wait a little while for the number of your brethren. Here, let me actually, let me quote it just yeah, so I make sure I get it right. This, it. this is a... This is an important passage, but it's also, I want to make sure I say it correctly. So this is Revelation 6, verse 9. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who'd been slain for the word of God and for the witness they had borne. They cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? So they're, they're asking, how long till the final judgment? And they were each given a white robe and told to rest a little while until the number of their fellow servants and their brethren should be complete who were to be killed as they themselves had been. Wow. And talk about God's ways are not our ways. Mercy. Okay, right. so the full number of martyrs, which is a, a vast number but, in, but finite, until that number is met, the judgment's not going to come. So there is a sense, even among the souls who have died with Christ, 
of anticipation and expectation for the end. And they're attuned to the drama of human salvation on earth. And of course, this is why we always, there's always practice the intercession of the yep. saints, right? Yep. That's asking, exactly what I was asking the saints to intercede for us yeah. means they're still, they still have, sorry for the metaphor, they still have skin in the game in the sense that the, the, the drama of right. human salvation is something they're, they're di- directly concerned with because of their love right. for humanity, right? right? Um, so I would say, I would say in that sense, the 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 intercessory role that the saints in heaven take now still involves them hmm. in that whole process of praying for um, and and affecting change in the world today. Now, what does that look like after the final judgment and the bodily resurrection and the so to speak the beginning of that chapter? Mm-hmm. Lewis said mm-hmm. of chapter one. I don't know. I just want to be there. <laughs> I want to be there to see it. You know. Yeah. Um, amen. Amen. So that's that's what that would be kind of my short answer. Uh, I appreciate it's not a very it. short answer. But I appreciate it. It gives you a little sense there. Um, and so that's another thing we should strive to be holy in this life, not only to get to heaven, but that so when we do, um, God willing, get there, we can continue to intercede for those we love here, our mm-hmm. children, our mm-hmm. grandchildren. Mm-hmm. Right, the, the the world, the souls of the world. That'll be a task I don't think would be laid aside once we enter into that mysterious um, communion with God. Amen. Yeah. Thanks, Brand, for saying all that. Yeah. Okay, so as as we move into like the final section of the book here, yeah, really okay, focusing yeah. on on making progress. Then, mm, yeah, good. How do we know if we're making progress in the spiritual life? How do we know if we're making progress? Ask the person you live with. <laughs> 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 or the people you live with. <laughs> or the people you live with. I'm yeah, thinking your spouse yeah, or your children. Yeah, 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 They're yeah. always an excellent index. Yeah, great uh, question. If, great if, question. if you think you're <laughs> making answer. progress, you might yeah. want to ask them and check and, and make sure that that's the case. Um, no, I, I would say a couple of things um, from the from that last section of the book for me that were important. Um, the first one is um, the practice known as the examination of conscience. Mm-hmm. That, that, that spiritual practice is a really crucial practice for growing in self-knowledge. Although you'll notice in that chapter that I have on it, I, I actually changed it a bit. I call it the examination of heart. Hmm. Because if you look at the teachings of Jesus, he doesn't say a lot about the conscience. That's a Greek term that, that will get used. It'll get used in a few places in the New Testament, but it's not the way he speaks. He really speaks over and over again about this image of the tree, of the heart mm-hmm. of, uh, of, the, of, of the human soul as a, as a tree, uh, uh, the tree of the heart or the tree of the soul. So looking at what fruit I'm bearing in my spiritual life, good fruit or bad fruit, is really an essential part of growing in self-knowledge, right? So we don't know ourselves. We won't be able to diagnose where we need to grow, right, um, in the spiritual life. So that's that's a really crucial aspect of growth, in particular, um, looking at our spiritual life and asking, you know, where where might be my predominant fault? This was a this was a part of the book that really hit me hard when I first stumbled onto it. The saints will often talk about this. It's easy to get distracted by, you know, all the seven capital sins and the Ten Commandments, all these different sins. But to look at ourselves and say, what vice am I most easily inclined to, right? Like you used your image of the car. Does my car pull left? Does it mm-hmm. pull right? What does mm-hmm. is, is my heart pull toward in a disordered way? Mm-hmm. And then focusing our energies on practicing the opposing virtue. Um, because one of the great things the saints, says is, the saints say about this is, 
you can't, or it's not a good idea to try to fight against every sin all at once. Right. But the great thing is, if you begin to grow in one virtue, the other virtues will start to grow as well. Likewise, if you start to do battle against one vice, you actually gain strength over the others as well. So it's a really practical way to focus our energies, see how we're doing, uh, and see where we need to make progress. And and I want to say real quick that that's good advice, not just in spiritual life, but in the natural life too. Like if if you're trying to like do too much you're you're yeah. going you're going to fail and i think you're going to fail as a, as an american yeah i take great pride in always trying to do too much too much that's <laughs> right, right. I mean, that's, that's, that's right. like the heart of our culture i'm going right? to change everything <laughs> all right at out once, of the gates right, yeah. all at once you know my way right away bigger is that's, better that's all right. those kind of metaphors nope. you know standard tropes that are part of american culture actually do inf- affect the way we think about spiritual growth yeah, of right of course um, it's okay for Lent to focus on one, one thing, thing and to do it well. One thing. So that would be the first part for that book. But for my money, man, how, man, how do you know if you're making progress? Uh, for my money, the, the part of the, that last part of the book that was, was, was most powerful to me to work on um, was the chapter on the battle of prayer. Uh, yeah, I have, I'm, I'm, yeah, that one, Mark. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah. just go right um, into it. <laughs> and so, a lot of times people can think, okay, if I'm making progress spiritually, mm-hmm. prayer should become easy, or or, or prayer or, or life. Life should be easy. Yeah, this is good. <laughs> this is good. Yeah. So, you know, if I'm if I've God God be praised, if I've begun to if I've put say a mortal sin that was habitual is out, out of my life, mm-hmm. right? And I, I've become detached from that and I'm, I'm still struggling with venial sins, but that's not a part of my life anymore. You know, you might think, okay, so now things should be easy, mm-hmm. right? If I've been on the spiritual path now for five years, 10 years, 20 years, mm-hmm. it should be easy. Yep. And the answer is no, right? If you look at the scriptures, you'll see that when God calls people to special to follow him, right? Fo- to special vocations and different paths. Any, pick any saint from the Bible, and we tend to think the saints is after the Bible. They're the people of the Bible are saints too. Whether it's Old Testament saints like Abraham, mm-hmm. or Jacob, or New Testament saints like Peter, right, or Paul, <laughs> their their conversions are just the beginning of their trials, yeah. of their difficulties, right? Um, and so recognizing. That the spiritual life isn't just a path that you make progress on, isn't just about exercises where you you know you're buffing up spiritually or something like that, but it's a battle, is really crucial. One of my favorite quotes from the saints in that chapter is Abba Agathon. This is one of the desert fathers in the fourth century. He said this: "Prayer is warfare to the last breath." Oh, amen. Wow. Wow. In other words, the fight doesn't stop till you give up the ghost, right? Um, so we need to be realistic about that and aware of that so that when the trials come, when the battles come, we don't think, oh, no, I must be doing something wrong. I'm facing adversity. I'm facing suffering. I'm facing sorrow, right? I must have done something wrong. I must have angered God, right? And now he's punishing me, right? 
Now, you could have angered God, and he might be punishing you. That's always a possibility, right? For sure. But um, that's not the only explanation for trials and tribulations. In fact, if you are leading a path and living a life of uh, rooting yourself in the grace of the sacraments of the church, right, with, um, uh, the, of course, the liturgy, the Eucharist, um, uh, holy, holy uh, sacramental reconciliation, right, confession, um, th- then looking at your life and, and, and seeing trials come, actually those may be God precisely working on you to strengthen you. And my favorite image of this from Scripture is, of course, the, the, the famous story of Jacob wrestling with God in Genesis chapter 32, right? So Jacob is following the Lord. In fact, he's bringing his family to the promised land. He, he's, he's, he's keeping the covenant that was made with Abraham um, to raise his family in the promised land, to raise them according to the covenant. He's bringing them across the Jabbok River. And in the midst of trying to follow God's will, this mysterious man comes to him in the middle of the night, and they wrestle all night, which already is a testament to Jacob's strength. He was always review, uh, viewed in Jewish tradition as being a very like physically... Uh, physically fit man because if you ever got into a, a fight or a wrestling match yeah. there's nothing more exhausting there's nothing than wrestling yeah exactly I mean there's a reason why boxing matches like are third, like a 90 seconds yeah. you know rounds or whatever it is <laughs> these guys are wiped out yeah because the amount of calories you're burning <laughs> yeah. the amount yep. of energy you're spending once yep. you m- move into full body conflict oh, it's, it's just unparalleled right yeah. okay and, and you might be thinking, oh, how do you know that, Dr. Petrie? Well, I got in a couple of fist fights <laughs> in my life but, uh, when I was younger. It's not, it's not because I do this on a regular basis. But, uh, but, Dr. Yeah, Petrie's I, an MMA I, fighter well, by, by remember, night. I didn't know that. This I is, remember, no, 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 actually, I remember one time I went to sleep at a buddy of mine's house, and him and his brother got into a fist fight. And we were eating, we were eating it was in the morning, we were eating breakfast. And so, like, we went out there 20 minutes later. We, we just we were hungry. So we were going to eat. I mean, they can go fight all they want. And then yeah. we get out there 20 minutes later, and they can barely swing their arms <laughs> at each other white. because they're so tired. Exactly. But they're still fighting, you know? <laughs> so this is this is exhausting. And he wrestles with him till daybreak, right? Yeah. And, you know, um, this mysterious man says, let me go for the day's breaking. And Jacob says, I won't let you go unless you bless me. Okay. Um. And then he said to him, well, what's your name? And he said, Jacob. And the man says to him, your name shall no no more be called Jacob, but Israel. For you've striven with God and with men and have prevailed. And so Jacob asked him again, tell me your name. And the man says, why is it you ask my name? And he blessed him. Now, you remember what happens here is when the guy sees that he's not going to prevail against Jacob, it says he touched the hollow of his thigh and Jacob's thigh was put out of joint as he wrestled with him, right? So he, inj- he injures him in the midst of the, of the wrestling match, and Jacob still won't let him go until he gets the blessing. And so the blessing that he gets is the change of his name to Israel, which literally means he who wrestles with God. It's amazing. And once it happens, uh, once the God leaves, Jacob realizes this is a theophany. He mm-hmm. says, I've seen God face to face, and yet my life is preserved. And then the sun rises, and from that point on, Jacob limped because of the wound that he had received in his thigh. Now, why is that significant spiritually for us as we look at the process of making progress? Well, first of all, you know, if Jacob himself gets renamed he who wrestles with God, then God's signaling to everyone who's going to be a member of the people of Israel 
that this is going to be a battle, not just with yourself, but with me. Yeah. We're going to wrestle your will and my will are going to wrestle with one another, right? Mm. Mm. It's the clash, the mystery of the spiritual life and spiritual struggle is the clash of two wills who love one another, but who don't see things the same way. And it's the conformity of my will to his will, which is going to be painful. It's not only going to be painful, it's going to permanently injure you. Jacob doesn't come out of the battle unscathed. He limps the rest of his life. But the mystery is that for Jacob, the blessing is in the wound. This isn't the prosperity gospel, Brent. No, this isn't. This is the, this is the antithesis of that, right? And so I would say, if you want to know how you're making progress, first, of course, are you staying to, tapped into the sacraments, to the reading of Scripture, right? Are you examining your heart, watching those fruits? But also, are, are you wrestling? Have have you been wounded by God? Those are good signs that actually you're on the path, not that you've gone off of it. Because that his ways are not our ways, and that's how he teaches his children to grow. And it's also the mystery of the cross, right? If Jesus, you know, doesn't get out of this world unscathed, then who are we to think we should? Right? Um, and every, I mean, just look at any one of the saints. Look at their lives, man. I started reading the lives of the saints. I remember years ago, I was like, I want to be a saint. So I started reading the lives of the saints. This one tuberculosis, this one cancer, this one flayed alive, right? You know, John Paul II gets Parkinson's, we watch him yep. fall apart, this great man of great intellect, great physical stature, mm. by the end of his life, shake, can't control his shaking, can barely speak, drooling, mm. you know, in public. And I began to think, I, mean, I, don't, I don't know if I want to be, I don't know if I want to be a saint. <laughs> this, you know, but that's the path because it's 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 only through the cross that you get to the resurrection. Amen. I know that's a trope. I know that's a kind of a you know it's something people say, but it's the but truth. It's the truth. It's the truth. That's and why it's, it's a cliche. It's a, it's a shame that we reduce it. Yeah, to reduce that. it to cliche because but the reality of that for each person is is stark. You know. But I like again going back to like for me, what strikes me about yeah. this is that notion of I just really I just hope people have permission to wrestle with God. Yeah, that's right. Because I think sometimes people feel that they can't yeah. or that they feel bad because doubts are happening or they feel bad because something happened and it doesn't quite compute and whatever it is, like God is inviting that Yeah. because he wants, as you said earlier, wrestling involves the whole person. Mm-hmm. Like, and so you're worn out because you're burning calories from like your toes to your fingertips. I mean, the whole thing yeah. is like this yeah. massive. It takes the whole person. It takes the whole person. Yeah. And, and that's what God wants. That's what he wants. Yeah. And, and, and he wants that because not just to defeat us or to break us, but because, again, this engagement, this resistance as we've been speaking. He wants you all in. He wants you all in. Yeah. And that resistance is kind of what, what, what shows that and what trains you and what allows that to happen. Absolutely. Yeah. He wants you to love him with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. Amen. And that's that's what we see in, in that mysterious wonderful image of 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 Jacob wrestling with God all night long 
um, of that night of the soul, so to speak. Yes, yes. Speak where he's he's wet wrestling. And, and St. Francis de Sales in his wonderful introduction to the spiritual life, or actually it might be in the love of God, I don't remember. You know, he talks about that. He says, look, if you find yourself in a situation where you find no joy or any comfort in your prayer, he said, I urge you, don't be disturbed, but repeat Jacob's words, Lord, I will not let you go until you unless you bless me. Okay, so we're, 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 yeah. we're at an hour, but yeah, I, I, okay. I want yeah. one more one more question, all right? One sure, more, sure, one sure. more. We got time, and I know we're. we're, yeah. we're we, do you have time? We have time. Oh, yeah, right? sure. Okay, yeah. great. Thank you. The persistent widow. Oh yeah. All right, because we're yeah. just. This is this so is good. this is this is right where we're going, right? Yeah, so, right. So, so it's so always good. This is what we have to do. Yeah, you know, we got the, to. Okay, the persistent widow. So, so it's always good go. to look at the Old Testament, right? So Jacob's a model for us of the battle that's involved in making progress in yeah. the Old Testament. But Jesus gives us a, another icon, another image of that, and it's the parable of the persistent widow in Luke chapter 18, 1 through 8. So Luke tells us that Jesus told them a parable to the effect that they must always pray and not lose heart. So that's the, that's the Luke gives you up front, this is what the parable is about, to always pray and to not lose heart. And so Jesus gives a story. In a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor regarded man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, vindicate me against my adversary. Now, for a while, the judge refused. But afterward, he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow bothers me, I will vindicate her or she will wear me out by her continual coming. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. Will not God vindicate his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will vindicate them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Amen. That's Luke 18, 1 through 8. Now, there's a couple things about that parable I want to highlight. First, again, notice it's about prayer. Mm-hmm. He tell, Luke tells us that. Mm-hmm. It's about praying and not losing heart. Secondly, I didn't realize this until I was working on the book. Uh, the, the Greek expression that's used here is actually stronger. So when the, the unrighteous judge who represents God, right, which is kind of an odd thing, yeah, yeah, but yeah. that's Jesus' parables. He's always saying surprising things. He, he literally says, because this widow bothers me, I'm going to vindicate her, let, lest in the end she come and give me a black eye. The actual, the Greek there, I think it's Kobiato, is is to punch me in the eye, right? Now, maybe you know some old ladies like this. <laughs> yes. Right? Who are tenacious, yes. right? But he actually, he's worried that this old widow is going to come and physically assault him if he doesn't vindicate her claim, if he doesn't vindicate her against this adversary, right? Now, what's fascinating about that is... That's the image Jesus is using to teach his disciples how to pray. Hmm. He says, I want you to be like that widow who prays with tenacity, right? Who's never going to let up until God answers, right? I mean, this for me, what he's, what he's saying here is he wants us to be desperate in our prayer. He wants us to pray with desperation, with tenacity, with constancy, and to absolutely refuse to ever stop praying. And he says, if an unrighteous judge on earth is going to answer the prayer of some widow because he thinks she might assault him, how much more will your father in heaven vindicate his children who cry out to him day and night? 
mean, who do you think God is? Do you realize he's your father? Then keep crying out to him day and night. I tell you, he will vindicate him. That's Jesus' promise to us. That's hey, his promise. Amen. What's, so, do, so what's our duty? What does he say? Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Man, that's one of the scariest lines to me in the New Testament because I get the feeling that the answer is no, right? You know what I mean? It's like this is a this is an ominous warning to us. So what he calls us to do here, and what I actually renamed it, is the parable of the punching widow, not the persistent <laughs> widow. She'll punch this is, you out. The, the, the Dr. Petrie uh, version of the <laughs> this Bible. This is the Dr. Petrie this version, is, right? This is, right. Uh, this is the, the, next, uh, the next version <laughs> of the Bible. <laughs> yeah, no. In other words, Jesus is talking about way more than just being persistent in prayer. That's not enough. He wants us to pray to God with all the fiber of our being, like every ounce of our strength. And he wants us to never, ever lose heart. So the place where it gets tricky is when it comes to like, what do we pray for? Yeah, right. Sure. What are we asking? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how do we know that the thing that we're asking is in fact something that God wants to sure. give or something that we just have to kind of let go of? Yeah. And so that's for me where I think the challenge comes because we think then that the unanswered prayers means that that God doesn't want us to do that. And again, that's necessarily the case. Yeah. And it'd be too easy to only think that success Material success is the only marker of the prayer being answered. Right. And that's also erroneous. Right. Yeah. You know, when we think of popularity or how much we have in our bank accounts or any of those things, yeah. to only think about material success as the way that the prayer is going to be answered. That's also dangerous and erroneous if we right. hang our hat on that. Or even that, physical health, too. Physical health. Like that. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Now, God could certainly he could. provide. He could. Absolutely. He could give those things. But that isn't always the way that that, that he answers. Yeah. And... But I recognize the tension. You know what? I, what, I, what I wrote here is with regards to unanswered an prayers. Have, have you seen Encanto yet with your kids? Of course, I've seen yeah, Encanto. Yeah. Okay, all right. I know every sh- song from Encanto because yes. my kids won't stop singing. Yes. <laughs> okay, Hispanos. <laughs> I'm not Colombian, but uh, but I don't know but, what that means. But uh, okay. Hispanic. Sorry. Let's go. So, but yeah, so, my kids are walking around singing Spanish, and I'm like, I don't know any when I love saying, it. What's the, where's the Hebrew version of the movie? <laughs> <laughs> Get Lin Manuel Miranda out that. So the, the the line here, Mirabel sings. It's in it's in that that, that song, "Waiting on a Miracle," when mm-hmm. she's being patient about um, oh, yeah, about sure, her sure. gift. You know, yeah, she doesn't yeah. have her gifts, and she's trying to put on the happy face, be good for the family. Her younger cousin finally gets the miracle. You know, and she's celebrating him. Everybody's taking a big picture, and it's now her heart's like, "And what about me?" Yeah. Right. So the song's beautiful. This is the way the song ends. She says, I'm, I'm sick of waiting on a miracle. So here I go. I am ready. Come on. I'm ready. I've been patient and steadfast and steady. Bless me now as you blessed all of us those years ago when you gave us a miracle. And then she says, am I too late for a miracle? That's how the freaking song ends. <laughs> I'm going to start crying. Because yeah. it, it, yeah, it, it's, it's, it, yeah, it gets me. I know the moment. It's, it's that, that moment is, is, is this. You know, is that prayer of um, as your grace passed me by? Yeah. Yeah, that's the mystery of unanswered prayer, isn't it? It is. But you know what the Catechism says to that? It, it quotes one of the great desert fathers of Agrius. And he says, don't be troubled if you don't immediately receive from God what you ask him. 
for he desires to do something even greater for you while you cling to him in prayer. So even the, even the grace of fidelity to prayer is itself a miracle. Yeah. It's really hard to believe that all the time. Oh, yeah. When you've been praying for something for 15 years. If it was easy to believe it, you wouldn't call it faith. Amen. It's just, just, that's a fact. If it was easy to believe it, he wouldn't say, and the Son of Man comes, well, I find faith on earth. He wants us. See, he, he, does, he, he is infinitely more desirous of our faith than of our material well-being because one of them will save us and bring us to him forever and the other will just give us natural goods mm-hmm. for a short, short time. Mm-hmm. So it's hard for us to see that, especially when you're facing real suffering, mm-hmm. sickness, death, economic deprivation, economic tro- trials and tribulations, inability to provide for your family, whatever it might be, I mean, those are real. The great thing about the gospel is it never, ever whitewashes suffering. Hmm. Never whitewashes. Jacob limped for the rest of his life, full stop. Yep. Christ was crucified outside the city, full stop. Like, there's, it doesn't whitewash it, but it does redeem it. Yep. That's what the, that's what the resurrection is all about. <laughs> Mercy. Okay, Brant. Well, um, we can keep talking for yeah, sure, minutes, sure, sure. but we need to wrap this thing up. So how can people get the book? <laughs> <laughs> well, they can, <laughs> how can they get the book? Like, downshift. <laughs> downshift to the I got commercial. nothing, man. I don't it's know what okay. I'm supposed to say right I now. I feel like, like grind it from fifth gear into first gear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just um, through the emergency no, brake no, off. Emergency, exactly. I got through a the friend of mine who did that know? one time I was driving yeah, in the car yeah, when yeah, I was buddies, like, just pull the emergency brake just for kicks. Just for kicks. Oh, my gosh. So, yes, let's pull the emergency brake. Yes, if people feel like any of this is relevant to their lives, which I would imagine that it is. It is. I mean, I think it, it is to everyone. I know it is because this is the one thing necessary. Jesus said, "Don't take my word for it." Um, uh, they can get the the introduction to spiritual life. It's going to be available in any Catholic bookstore. If you got a local Catholic bookstore, that's the first place I'd love to say yeah. go support your local bookstores. Yep. You know, um, even if it costs you a few more bucks, do yeah, it. Even if it costs you a few more bucks, do it because that th- those are a lifeline of evangelization to our local communities. Amen. Um, so that'd be the first thing. Uh, after that, you could go to brantpetrie.com, which is my own website, and there we have copies, plenty of copies of the book. And then those, those I've even signed them. So if hey, you like that kind of thing, all right. Uh, I, I know that might seem a little kooky, but I spent a lot of time doing that. My hand hurts. <laughs> the guys brought me a bunch of boxes, so they're all signed. So if, you, if that's something you'd like to give as a gift or whatever, uh, I'd encourage you to check out our website. And then of course you can go to Amazon.com or BarnesandNoble.com, any of the major book distributors. It's going to be there. Um, it'll be in those major bookstores as well so yeah uh, check that out I think um, I really wrote again I wrote this book one, one last thing about the book please a few hundred years ago a few centuries back St. Francis de Sales wrote really the first uh, major work of a doctor of the church on the spiritual life that was specifically for, for lay, lay people, people. Yep. right mm-hmm. and so as a layman myself one of the difficulties sometimes at reading the works of the spiritual classics is a lot of times they have in mind states of life that are very different than mine that's correct right 
um, cloistered nuns, uh, diocesan monks, priests, religious yep, priests, yep. mendicant priests, desert yep. monks, right? Yep. And and so one of the things I felt like I could do was put together a book that would draw on the wisdom of those saints, but be written uh, first and foremost for, for lay people, for mm-hmm. people living in the world. Um, and so this book is first and foremost for just any Christian, man or woman, um, living in the world. And then anyone else who is interested in that, if you are a re- priest or religious, I, th- I think you'll dig the book. I've had a few tell me they really love it. Um, because at the end of the day, it's really just about what Jesus taught. And we can all benefit from going back to the words of the master, mm-hmm. which are the words of, of course, Jesus himself. So yeah, check that out. And um, I hope you'll find that interesting. And if you, and maybe if you're not a reader, <clears throat> there, it's also on Amazon Audible. Um, so you can download it and listen to so a professional person read That's it. It's not your voice. It's though, not right? my voice. Uh, come on. I asked to. Come but on, image. Like, you got to get on this. You're improf- unprofessional. You, we don't want. We don't want some Cajun. This they do. It's your book. It's your book. <laughs> no, no, no. They, we, we got some wonderful. Actually, the yeah, guys yeah. who've who've done uh, who've done the audios are excellent. They do a great job. I'm so, sure. I'm sure. Um, yeah. So if you want to check that out, you can also download it on Audible and listen to it. Uh, it's an amazing world we live in. And if you want to, even more, one last thing, if you want to go back, you could also check out at Catholic Productions or mm-hmm. my website, the original spiritual theology class, which goes mm-hmm. into a lot more depth in some ways because it's a longer exposition uh, in the form of, of a semester-long course of the scriptural roots of Christian spirituality. Amen. Well, we'll have links to those in yeah. the show notes for sure. All right, Dr. Petrie, final question asks all my guests, although Uh-oh. you're not a first-time guest, but I don't yeah. think I was doing this when you came on. So this will be the making up for lost time. All right, all right, hit me. What gives you hope? What gives me hope? Oh, man, it's the resurrection. The resurrection of Jesus on Easter Sunday. That is what gives me hope. Because apart from that, all's vanity. It's all mm-hmm. dust in the wind, man. Um, so, yeah, no, it's really Easter... Sunday, the bodily resurrection, and the reality of eternal life, not just in the soul, but in the body, and not just alone, you know, me and God, but in the presence of the Most Holy Trinity with the Blessed Virgin Mary and all the saints, and God willing, my my family and my friends and all of humanity, uh, man, that, that gives me hope. That's what keeps me going at the end of the day because um, that's what I'm shooting for. Um, I always tell my students, don't aim for purgatory because if you miss, there's <laughs> only one other option, right? No, we want to aim for the resurrection and the life of the world to come because that's what we made for. So that's what gives me hope. Amen. Great answer. All right, Brand. thanks for coming on the show. Thanks, Mario. I really appreciate it. Amen. All right, everybody. Well, that does it for today's episode, another great episode of the Always So Podcast. Just truly grateful for Dr. Petrie coming to have this wonderful conversation on his book and on the spiritual life in general. And I just want to say that this topic is something that, as I've shared throughout the episode, and hopefully as you've received throughout all of my episodes in the Always So Podcast, that I'm deeply motivated to understand how we grow in in the reality of our lives, that there's no sugarcoating the hardships and the struggles that we have. Listen, this is the first time that I've gotten choked up on my own podcast because that reflection, excuse me, that conversation on unanswered prayers is is certainly something that's very near uh, to my own heart. 
Um, because like everybody else, we all have desires that um, seem to be frustrated or um, prayers that seem to, to not get the answers as quickly, as readily, or as clearly as we would like for them to be. But we recognize, and I believe wholeheartedly, that's all part of the journey of faith and that God certainly tests us and, and allows us these moments to help us to grow in continued patience um, and in faithfulness and attentiveness to the places in our own hearts to be able to decipher and distinguish what is genuinely from him and what is not from him. And so, like I said, this is something that I'm deeply motivated by and will continue to reflect on throughout this show. And so thank you guys for giving me your time. And, and I hope, I hope, I hope genuinely that this show has given you a lot to pray with and be able to help you in your growth with Jesus. Because at the end of the day, that's the only thing that matters is how close we are to the Lord and how we continue to grow in our faith and in our expressions of our faith. So God bless you all. Be good and have a great day. Thank you.